Well, good morning. We'll be in Luke chapter 5 this morning. I hope you have your Bibles, because we'll be in Luke chapter 5 for the entirety of our lesson. I just can't say enough how much I appreciate Jamie. Uh, I, I text him one thing, and he picks songs that are so on the nose for your sermon that, are, that just helps you get your mind right to approach the topic that is at hand. And so in Luke chapter 5 this morning, we'll be seeing our lesson. But first, when we are picking someone for a role in our world, we pick people who are the most qualified. With our jobs, there's an, a long interview process that involves proving you can do the task at hand. We do training and we do lots of work to make sure that we're the right fit for a job. Even if we're changing roles, if we're looking at our relationships, before we commit to a person that we want to date and we want to marry, we go on lots of dates with them to make sure that they are compatible with us and that we want them to fill that role. Even when we're growing up, when you're picking kids to fill a team to play a sport together, you pick kids based on who is the most capable to play that sport. And that kid gets picked first, and then so on and so forth. That's the world we live in. We live in a world based on qualifications and people being picked for a reason. We want to be choosed, we want to choose people based on what they can offer. If you don't think you can fill the role, you don't get the role. And that's just how the world is. It's a tough world we live in to meet these expectations and qualifications to be chosen. But we need to ask the question this morning, who does God choose? What kind of people does God choose for his services? So we'll see that in Luke chapter 5 today. But God has called all kinds of people throughout his, to do his will throughout history. We've looked at how God has called a couple different people in sermons in the past, Isaiah and Jeremiah. And typically, he has a consistent type of person that he looks for. And the lesson today is no exception, which we'll see here in just a minute. Luke chapter 5 will help us to see what God looks for as Jesus calls some of his disciples to follow him. But before we get into Luke chapter 5, we need to see why Jesus is calling his disciples, why this is happening in the first place. So let's back up just a few verses to Luke chapter 4, starting in verse 42. And when it was day, he departed and went into a desolate place. And the people sought him and came to him and would have kept him from leaving them. But he said to them, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to other towns as well, for I was sent for this purpose. And he was preaching in the synagogues in Judea. And so we, before we see any call to any of Jesus' followers, we see what Jesus is trying to do. He needs to share the good news of the kingdom of heaven with everyone. And this town wants to keep Jesus nearby. They want to have a relationship with Jesus, which is a worthy thing for them to want. They don't want Jesus to leave just yet. But Jesus has bigger plans than just one small town. He wants to go on to the rest of the world. Jesus wants to make a big impact everywhere. He tells them his purpose. I need to bring the good news of the kingdom to other towns as well. And the goal of Christ is an important one. Jesus is not intended to be kept in one small corner of the world. He's intended to be shared to everyone, so everyone may know Jesus. And so, right on cue, Luke tells us a story about Jesus calling some of his followers that will help him on that goal. And so we're going to see Jesus calling Simon Peter because he helps with his purpose to share the good news of the kingdom. 
But before we look at this account, we need to ask a question so we understand how we might approach this differently than Jesus did. Because if we're looking for someone to help us share the good news of the kingdom, we want someone to fill this important role, where would we go? Maybe we'd go to the university, find someone young and smart and capable who would help us to do this. Maybe to the Pharisees, one of the religious leaders who is helpful and wise in the, in the religious world. Maybe we'd go to the, the marketplace. We'd find a trader, an innovator, someone who is used to persuading people to buy this or that. We'd look for people who are already a draw to us so that we can pull them in and have them be a draw for people to see the gospel. But that's not where Jesus goes. Let's read our story in Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. And he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help him. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. And when they had brought the boats to the land, they left everything and followed him. And so the first thing we see when we see who Jesus calls is Jesus calls the lowly. Jesus doesn't go for the intellectually and spiritually superior. He goes and he finds a fisherman. The fisherman was an important part of their society. They had a big part in putting food on the table for the nation. And they did hard work, labor-intensive, and dangerous sometimes if there's a storm on the sea. But the fisherman was not a persuader. They're not an orator. They're not a public speaker. They're a fisherman. They're working men, not men people look to as teachers. Which, by the way, the next three stories in Luke chapter 5 have similar kinds of people that Jesus reaches out to. He reaches out to a leper, not someone people look up to. A paralytic, not someone people look up to. And a tax collector, not someone people look up to. Jesus is showing us something about who he wants to be his. He wants to find people that others aren't looking at. Jesus doesn't look for impressive people to fill his kingdom. In fact, the impressive people were the ones that were often oppressing Jesus. They're the ones going against him. The Pharisees, Sadducees, and scribes were plotting to kill Jesus all throughout his ministry. The rulers, especially some, some like Herod, were actively trying to kill Jesus. And the rich were often trying to go another way, not wanting to meet the requirements Jesus had for them, for them to follow. So Jesus often finds himself with the poor, the outcast, the sinner, and shares the good news of the kingdom with them. So later on in Luke chapter 5, he finishes this section of stories by calling the tax collector Matthew one of his apostles. 
And in doing so, he had to answer some complaints of the Pharisees and the scribes because they didn't like that he ate with sinners and tax collectors. And here's what Jesus said. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Jesus is concerned about making sure the good news reaches everyone, not just the people we think are deserving. Jesus thinks the opposite. He wants to make sure those who aren't deserving reaches the gospel. He said, those who do well, those who are well, do not need a physician, but those who are sick. That's who Jesus has come to look for. That's the first thing we see in who Jesus calls. He wants people who need him. Now, this should help us with our view of ourselves, shouldn't it? That we aren't in this pew, we aren't in this building because we have some impressive fact about ourselves, some amazing background that makes God have to choose us to be his people. We can be humble because, and give God all the glory because of our salvation. And we can adopt a quality that we see in the disciples of Jesus, that they are lowly and that they are humble. It's so easy for us to try to elevate ourselves in the world's eyes, but we know that God loves and calls the lowly. He has done this consistently throughout the history of this world. He calls an outcast like Moses. He calls a foreigner like Abraham. He calls a shepherd, the youngest, to be king like David. God calls people who we would not count on to be the leaders of his people. So we need to accept that in our lives. Instead of trying to achieve and achieve and achieve, maybe we just need to trust in the grace of God that he is accepting us as the lowly and the humble. And also maybe this should help us in our evangelism. That instead of waiting around to try and find the ideal candidate for us to preach to, to tell about the gospel, maybe we need to realize that the lowly are the ones that God is ready to accept, ready to, for their hearts to be open to accept Jesus and to understand the change that is required of them in their lives. So when we are changing to, when we are uh, sharing in Jesus' purpose to share the good news of the kingdom of heaven, we have to realize the gospel is for everyone even the lowly, even the humble, because that's who Jesus called in these fishermen. But there's more to these fishermen than they are just lowly, because God calls those with faith. <clears throat> when Jesus interacts with Simon Peter, James, and John, he commandeers their fishing boat to make a makeshift pulpit. He asks Peter to send it out into the water and stand in it, and so he can preach to the crowds on the shore. Now, Jesus is using a tool that they use for their livelihood, and they are willingly giving it to him that he may use it, which that's already commendable. But Simon Peter also gets in the boat with him to push it out a little bit. We see that early on in our text. So he's giving him his time and his resources to allow Jesus to preach. He's allowing Jesus to meet his purpose, to share the good news of the kingdom of heaven. But then Jesus does something Simon Peter did not expect. He gives him fishing advice. His sermon is wrapping up, and he's finishing up what he had to say to the people on the shore. And he turns to Peter and says, go out into the water and put your nets in. Now, Simon could have said, Jesus, preaching is your world and fishing is mine. Why don't you just let me go home? I've been out all night trying to fish. And I didn't catch a thing. I just want to go to sleep. He could have said, Jesus, please. I know you're trying to repay the favor, but we're not going to get anything out there. 
because Simon knows the fishing had not been easy the night before. They were out all night, and they had not caught anything. Going a long time without catching a fish is frustrating. It's hard. You sit on the water, you wait expectantly for the fish to tug on the line, and nothing comes. But it's worse when it's your profession, and you rely on it for your, your meal to be put on the table that night. It's worse when that is what you do for a living. And Peter had just suffered a night full of disappointment on that front. And so, when Jesus tells him to put the nets back in the water, he could have easily said no. But he says, at your will, at your word, I will let down the nets. Jesus calls those who have faith in what he says. And Simon Peter is willing to trust Jesus and go back out onto the sea to try and catch some fish. And Jesus wants us to be people who have faith in the promises that he has given us. Because just like Simon Peter, that faith will cause us to act. It will cause us to go and put our nets back in the water. Even if we're tired and exhausted from a night's hard work, even if we know it did not work yesterday, we can trust that God, if he says it will work today, it will work today. And we can put our faith in Jesus. Because Jesus calls people who have faith. And then we get to see Simon Peter's faith rewarded. The catch of fish is like nothing these fishermen have ever seen before. They got out there and they throw the nets in the water and they can't even pull the nets back up. These nets are starting to break. So they have to call the other boat to come over and they can, together with their added strength, can pull the fish into the boat so they can start to have the catch. And the catch of fish is so great that it has to be shared among the two boats. And even then, once the catch of fish is in the two boats, the boats start to sink because it is too much for them to handle. These fishermen have been on the sea a lot. They've seen all kinds of catches, from no fish, as most recently, like the night before, to big catches of fish. But they have never seen anything like this. And so, we get to see Peter's reaction before Jesus. Because the third thing we can see about the kind of people God calls for a service is God calls those who honor him. Simon Peter is overwhelmed at the catch that Jesus has brought before them. He falls down before Jesus to honor him. He falls at his knees. Which, by the way, is the same reaction as the leper will have in the next story. When he is healed, he falls at the feet of Jesus. And each of the stories that are in Luke chapter 5 end with amazement. People glorifying God. People being excited that Jesus has welcomed them in. That's what God is looking for, is people who will honor him. You know, Simon Peter could have denied Jesus in this moment. He could have said, okay, beginner's luck. Like, he just got lucky that the fish ended up in the boat. Or he could have said, I knew that I was a good fisherman. I knew if I just went back out there one more time, I would catch something. We can be stubborn people. We can come up with all kinds of reasons to deny the providence of God when we see it. But Peter sees it. And Peter gives God the glory. God calls people who honor him when they see his action over them. So what Simon Peter says is worth noticing. He says, depart from me because I am a sinful man, O Lord. There's two parts to this. First, Peter sees himself as unworthy. I am a sinner. I'm a sinful man, and I do not deserve to be in your presence. All it took for Peter to see his sins was a catch of fish 
How much does it take for us to see our sins and to, to go to God with our confession of what we need to be? A catch of fish took Peter to his knees, asking God that he might be different. For most of us, we've seen our sins at some point in our lives, and we've made a confession. But sin can still cloud our awareness of who we are and who God is. So we need to constantly be coming before Jesus and realizing our sin before him. Because second, Peter knows that he is unworthy to be in the presence of Jesus because Jesus is great. Notice what he calls him. Depart from me, I am a sinful man, O Lord. He elevates Jesus as greater than himself. He's not just a teacher. He's not just someone he met that took his boat and gave him some fish. He is a Lord to him. He glorifies Jesus. He falls before Jesus on the ground in front of him, which is the posture of worship that we see throughout the Bible. Anytime someone encounters God or a significant servant of God, they fall on their face and they worship putting themselves as low as they possibly can be as they bow to the ground before God. Simon Peter sees Jesus as worthy of praise, and that is what God looks for in a servant. So it would help us to be looking for ways to honor God. If we are truly the people of God, then we need to be looking for ways to glorify Him. We can do this in lots of ways. How many times a day can we pray a prayer of thanksgiving? Most of us are pretty good at praying a meal of Thanksgiving before we eat. At our meals, we sit down and we say, thank you for this food. Help it to nourish our bodies and give us strength to go into your kingdom and do your work. Help us to serve others. We say prayers like that every day, and that is a good thing. Let's add to that list. Maybe we can say prayers like this, thanking God that he got us home safely from our daily commute to and from work. Thanking God that we had time to sit down at the dinner table with our families tonight. We have to spend some time with the people we love. There are countless things that we can be thankful for. We can sit down and we can pray to God, honoring Him for what He has done in our lives. And that's so important if we're going to follow Him. Maybe we can start our day just by reading a psalm of praise to God to help us center our minds on Him being in charge of our lives and Him being the author of our salvation, that we can look to Him and start our day knowing that we should honor him. And these fishermen show us that we should honor God. But there's one more way that we can be the kind of follower that God wants. God calls those who will follow him. Jesus presents Simon Peter, along with James and John, an opportunity. You will no longer be fisher, fishermen, but you will be fishers of men. Jesus is really good at turning a phrase. That's memorable, that's short, to the point. Every preacher will envy Jesus for being able to so clearly uh, communicate that concept to them. Because Jesus isn't just changing their career. He's changing everything about them. Their purpose is now aligned with Jesus' purpose, to share the good news of the kingdom of heaven. And without saying anything else, these new disciples knew exactly what that required of them. They understand that this is not some small change that they are just going to put down their fishing rods and come back next week. They understand that this means their lives will look completely different because this is what the gospel does. It can completely transform us into a new person because what we see next is what the disciples did to follow Jesus. Notice verse 11. 
when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. That's what Jesus confronts them with. That's what they see Jesus as, as their opportunity to follow him. They leave everything behind. What an impressive show of their commitment to Jesus, no matter the cost. All their things from their past lives, their work, their homes, their possessions, their reputations, all left behind to start fresh, going with Jesus to follow him. This is what God calls, looks for when he calls his servants. He looks for people who are willing to follow him, no matter the cost. So the question you and I have this morning in front of us is, will we follow him? Because following him can be hard. It can mean that we have to sacrifice something that we want to give him something that he wants. Because his will is greater than our will here. There are lots of negative examples of this. The rich young ruler, for example, was called to follow Jesus. What else am I lacking? And when Jesus said, give everything away, he went away sad, for he had many possessions and was not willing to part with them. But we, if we want to be the people of God, have to be willing to leave behind everything, to go be with him, to put him first above ourselves so that he can get the glory in our lives so many things can get in the way of our way to go to Jesus. So many things can trip us up and cause us to forget who he is. So we have to keep looking in the mirror every day and remove those idols from our hearts and give God our best and follow him. So who does God call for his purpose? He calls those who want to follow him, those who will go, those who will leave everything, those who will honor him, those who have faith, and the lowly. Where else can we go? He has the words of eternal life. Following Jesus is the best possible decision that we can make. What does Peter's future look like if he goes back out on the water and says, that's okay, Jesus, I'm going to stay here? It's a life of emptiness, a life that leads nowhere. But Peter following Jesus leads him to a new life, one that gives him a new purpose, one aligned with God's will, and that is a great thing for him to do. Jesus deserves for us to follow him. So let's join together. Jamie's going to lead us in song, because anywhere with Jesus, I can safely go, that we can follow him together. Let's stand as we sing.